I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing, they car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubble gum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome back to All Out of Bubblegum, the podcast. I'm here with Stein and Marty again, and today... We're going to talk about the 2008 surprise success thriller, Taken, starring Liam Neeson. And whose favorite is this? Whose favorite? Jeez. Yeah. Well, it's not mine. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I did enjoy it, but it's not my favorite. Do you think that Liam Neeson is a convincing action star? Uh, I think he's become one. I Not really in this one, for me. But then, I mean, he. This is where, sort of where he started it, and then he moved into his. Well, he's become a staple of the like dad DTV action movie. I mean, he, he must have done like thirty of these in the fifteen years since this, this came out. You feel he's earned his keep? Oh, for sure. I mean, he's he's put in uh, over the over the years. He's he's been just been pumping these out like he's a a regular old uh, you know, Bruce Willis or Steven Seagal or whatever. Yeah, I would compare this movie to a Seagal flick because it feels like a Seagal movie in a lot of ways. It it does, especially with the European setting and stuff. Because I mean, that's when Seagal left Hollywood. He moved all around to a lot of places and uh, a lot of more uh, Eastern Europe. And this one is is Western Europe, I guess. This is a, a curious case because I feel that Liam Neeson kind of almost was an action guy briefly in the in the early 90s and then it just didn't happen actually in the 80s too really but yeah he's done a couple of action films before taken mm-hmm. like rob roy was great in that one mm-hmm. dark man's the only really like action lead for him that that comes to mind for me yeah i mean you know he's doing like the big man and where he's he's fuck bare knuckle brawling guys and it's but it's really with like episode one star wars that he kind of turns into this other type of character who's like a, a mentor figure and they cast him again and uh, Batman begins doing that same kind of thing. Well, Kingdom of Heaven is similar and uh, yeah. Gangs of New York even, which is yeah. not really a mentor, but he's DiCaprio's dad who who was yeah. dies in the battle with Daniel Day-Lewis at the start. His only scene in that one is an action scene, really. So he he feels like that's kind of where he's going and he you know he, he's, a, he's that kind of actor that brings the gravitas to the roles and it lends itself to taking quite a bit i think i don't know if it would work without him you know as much as i say steven seagal i think seagal probably could have done a version of this that probably would have been pretty good but he, you know he's not going to be hanging on the edge of a of a building going between windows and stuff so they would have had to just Right in a scene where he goes up a little elevator lift. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the main thing I thought about, like, if Steven Seagal did Taken, was that uh, the girl that uh, Liam Neeson saves, because she has the vest of his daughter, 
in a Steven Seagal movie, she would have fucked Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. Would she? I don't know. How many Steven Seagal sex scenes are there? Not Too enough. Too many. Yeah. Not enough no. is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I guess Belly of the Beast, I guess, is the Steven Seagal's taken. Yeah. Yeah. He saves his daughter. He's kidnapped out it. In Southeast Asia. And has a sex scene in it. It does? Well, a love interest at least. I just remember all the weird-ass Matrix shootouts. <laughs> yeah. That's a wild movie. Yeah, yes. I'm going to talk a lot about the director of that when we get to it. He's a really interesting career. Really just all over the place guy. Was the director of this? No, the director of Belly of the Beast. Okay. I'm saving that for when we actually talk about Belly of the Beast and when I'm just not hijacking this episode to talk about everything except taking yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't have a miami vice segue oh uh, liam neeson was on miami vice he played an irr uh, terrorist yeah well he's he's the only trudy one he fell in he? love with unless famke jansen was on there i think it was trudy fell in love with him or is it the other one yeah the other lady cop i can't i'm blanking on her name now it's embarrassing yeah that's uh like the deadpool era liam neeson yeah, I think it's like season three or four. Yeah, I think. So it's where we're, some weak Miami Vice thing this episode. We're just, just rambling, no clue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, if in the wake of Taken, he like he did Clash of the Titans and A-Team and Unknown, Grey, just in the following year. So like this really just, he just took this and just went straight into like, I'm an action guy now. That's what I do. Launched an entire uh, subgenre, the Liam Neeson action thriller. I think it works for him. Um, he's he's made despite like the the I think there's like a sort of unofficial consensus that the movies are all taken inspired trash, but I disagree with that. I think that there's a, actually quite a bit of good stuff in there. Yes, especially his stuff with uh, Jaume Colletta. Yes, I think th- those are often the highlights of his stuff, non-stop. Yeah. And uh, did he also do Run All Night? Is that... I think so, yeah. The Commuter. Yeah, I hadn't seen The Commuter, but Run All Night I watched uh, last last Christmas, and I thought that one was great. Yeah, I've been, I've really liked it. I really liked A Walk Among the Tombstones. Oh, oh that's yeah. another good one. Oh. That's a different director guy, but... Yeah, I, I wouldn't call that one inspired by taken or anything or a result of no it's too different well i think it's still it's selling you it's being sold as that same kind of thing like yeah okay like uh here's liam neeson old guy fucking people up that is probably true yeah but yeah no it's much more of a detective movie the one that is is like that but is still generally good is the one you already mentioned nonstop, where it's i mean it is really playing off his taken persona but it's really good yeah, mm, yeah. have you like seen the commuter that one is yes yeah because like non-stop and the commuter are basically the same film except one is on a plane and the other is on a train sort of yeah yeah i think the difference is i really enjoyed non-stop and i didn't enjoy commuter as much okay but yeah they're, they're very similar yes yeah, just before we get back to it, it's uh, Gina is the the from Miami Vice. It's obviously her, she's the one that falls in love with Liam Neeson. That they they can't do interracial interracial love interests in nineteen eighty four six on TV. That's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
unofficially yeah. illegal. Well, yeah, um, Taken, directed by Pierre Noel, or Morel, who did uh, District B-13 before this. Uh, as a movie that I enjoyed, but it's, you know, it's not like a good movie or anything, but it, I think it shows he's kind of creative when he has the right elements. Well, he's, he, he's also a director who kind of just gets overlooked in a way. Like everything he, he touches just sort of gets uh, assigned to Luc Besson. Just everyone speaks about it under the Luc Besson umbrella instead of him. Yeah, I think that might partly be um, because that's that's sort of how he got the gig. You know, he did. I think he was a, uh, a director of photography for Luc Besson. Yeah. So. Uh, that's prob possibly, uh, but also just that's that's a thing with with Luc Besson. I feel like if someone if Luc Besson produces something or wrote something, people will all just all just talk about it like he directed it a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, I'm sh I'm. It might have. Uh, there might be a reason. I think he probably pushes a lot of the uh, creative juices, in, in as it were. And well, he did write this one and probably produced it too. I I think Europa Core is uh, is Luc Besson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he wrote this, and I don't know. I don't know where Luc Besson got the idea of a uh, underground uh, ring of pedophiles in Paris. That's where he gets his ideas from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just he's that creative because uh, definitely nothing in his uh, history would. Yeah, no, no, not at all, for legal reasons. Uh, there's definitely yep. <laughs> no way he pulled inspiration from his uh, own life. Unrelated, have you ever watched any Luc Besson films? Uh, some weird stuff going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Pierre Morel also did The Gunman, which I think at the time was just seen as Taken, only with Sean Penn instead of Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah, just trying to do the same thing again, and I haven't seen it, so I I don't know if it's actually. Any I'll good. tell you what, it has one thing but in common with uh, Taken Two. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the Gunman, I am not. I did not. I I watched watched most of it. <laughs> I didn't. I'm not gonna lie. I did not watch all of it. I think, but I did not enjoy it at all. Couldn't finish that one, huh? I don't think I started it. Sort of like I watched. I I came into it. Like missing the opening thirty minutes and watch the rest of it, but it's but it was not a fan. Sean Penn, the Sean Penn action hero uh, in Journey, thankfully did not go anywhere. Well, you know it had, it had uh, this effect. This movie did where they sort of sought out other uh, older gentlemen that could be and, and a few women that could be movie star or action got action people again. You know, yeah. yeah. You can see the line from here to say the equalizer. I mean, it's yeah, pretty clear. Yeah, I can see there like the ID comes, but then the equalizer, like they do some smart things there. Go back to uh, IP and stuff. Yes, and also just casting Denzel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it is it, taken did sort of usher in like an era of trying to make like legitimized DTV thrillers by making a listers in quotation marks maybe sometimes. Uh, make these movies instead yeah yeah and uh, but i i've always been of the opinion that this is sort of the result of, of a, a lot it's like a confluence of things which is you know liam neeson's own career path 
I, I don't I'm not saying it led to this and necessarily like it's not obvious but what he became with he became this guy that's just like oh that's the gravitas guy and then you have the release of Rocky Balboa and Rambo's getting made then the Bourne films and the whole war on terror thing in the U.S. all these things kind of you know, this is the perfect storm that created Taken. Well, there's definitely some some of those things that are clear uh, influence-wise, especially like the Bourne films, you mentioned that one. Yeah. Or those, yeah. Very clear influence on Taken. And th- that's that's part of the Besson thing, is he's just taking, he's grabbing elements from all over the place, and it becomes even more uh, obvious in Taken 2, where he's, you know, drive and come out, and so now they're putting the music in from Drive, and they're just they're they're trying all these things. Just they're really pushing the elements they've seen in other stuff. It's not so original. A lot of it's even derivative of the first film. But there is something. There's this like force of nature feeling to the movie that that works if you you know even on the most basic superficial level. Where you just, it's like the searchers in Commando, where you're like, yeah, I just want this guy to get his daughter back. And you want him to fuck up the bad guys in the worst, cruelest way possible. Yeah, supposedly Jeff Bridges was the original lead in this. He was cast first before dropping out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it would have, I don't think that would have worked as well. I feel, I don't know where we were in 2008 with with Jeff Bridges, but he feels a bit bit too old, a bit too gruff for this. Hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch the no, the old man one that he did, if that's any similar, although he's like 15 years older. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Bridges, I mean, because what he did, um, that RAPD, not long, you know, at some point after this, and he's, he's much older then. Well, he, he is just older than Liam Neeson to begin with. Is he not like? I genuinely don't know, but like Neeson was old as fuck as well in Taken. Yeah, he's like fifty-six. At least seems seems old as fuck. Sorry, he he has a terrible dye job in this one. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. his hair job, like it's so so bad, like so obviously he's dyeing his hair. I think that the sequels fixed that and gave him like a like a more natural hair, something that looks like a real like a real hair color a person would have this one definitely seems like he was just dying it in a, mm. his sink at home like it's or the other <laughs> thing they did was they stopped making him have these terrible bangs so that helped yeah uh, liam neeson's actually only three years older than jeff bridges oh. no younger younger yeah jeff jeff bridges is three years older that's the way it goes but but like Jeff Bridges did Crazy Heart one year after Taken, and I was like, that's not... <laughs> he, he seems old as shit in that film. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just the way he speaks, although Neeson also speaks like an old... Like he sounds older than he is, I think, in this movie, yeah. which is, you know, you get that impression, too. You're like, he's old as hell. You're like, he's like 56. It's not that old. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently uh, Neeson thought this movie was going to bomb... He, he thought it was like, oh, no, it's not. He didn't think it was very good. And he was just, but I don't know. They'll, they'll pay me to go to Paris. So <laughs> but now I get to play. It's, it's a different role than, than I've been doing. Like, that's his, his attraction to it was that he got to play, like, the 
the action hero that he he hadn't but he was he was sure this was gonna bump and then it it didn't <laughs> and then he just rolled with it for the rest of his career apparently yeah and he keeps saying, no, I'm going to stop doing this now. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't yet. In fact, you've just been speeding it up. I think like the frequency of these have gone up since the pandemic, if anything. Yeah, I mean, just did uh, that Saints and Sinners movie. And, and he is just, yeah, if anything, yeah, he's definitely put his foot on the gas. Yeah, but also it might be uh, to to bring the mood down a bit. It might be related to his wife passing like the year after this came out. Yeah, well, I think the the movie that that is like just it's actually his performance is sort of hard to watch in in light of that is the gray. Where it's like, oh man, he's like he's screaming up at God, and you're you know just you're like, geez, man, <laughs> he's letting some stuff out in that one. And made in Italy. Have you seen that one? It's not. It's, it's not an. It's not an action film. But he actually plays a guy who's lost his wife. Right. Yeah, twenty twenty. That's wow. Well, okay, bit well, that's quite a bit later. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a bit of therapy for him. He's looking for his wife in unknown too. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just as like amnesia. It's like, where's my wife? Where's yeah. my wife? And just keep writing movies around that. But anyway, I love I love his uh, career resurgence. I love the whole subgenre it spawned. Yeah, it's, I think it's really really interesting because you know that this guy was just not gonna be doing this sort of thing, and then like Taken just really just takes a turn for him. And I, I'm I am glad he embraced it because so many people just like they get resentful. And he's the opposite. He just he gripped on, and he's made a lot of crap, but a lot of good stuff too. The the hit rate has really gone down. All the stuff from like twenty twenty and outwards. They're like his basically his last his previous six movies at this point just just is not a not a hit among them. Not a fan of Memory or Blacklight. <laughs> no, it's all. Marksman Retribution was the new one. It's just all yeah. nothing, nothing. Uh, he's got one upcoming one that I I forget what it's called that I'm excited about. Uh, he's he's reteaming with the director of Cold Pursuit for uh, uh but it's an original script instead of just a remake of uh, the last one they did. It's called uh, it's just called Thug. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see about that one because I. I really like the director of uh, Cold Pursuit. I really like Cold Pursuit, so. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, he, he's a Norwegian director. I mean, he's old as fuck, too, now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's 70 years old, too. But, he's yeah, he's made a lot of uh, interesting stuff over the years. He loves loves working with Stellan Skarsgård. So when you watch um, Taken, though, do you look at it as... Uh, like a go get them kind of movie, go get those bad guys, save your daughter, or are you like laughing at it? Like, how are you watching these movies? I was stuck between those two modes for most of it because it is really, really ridiculously right wing, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Fear mongering. Yeah, it's it is. It goes so far in it that you cannot take it seriously. But also, I was willing to roll with it and just go like, "Yeah, fuck, fuck him up, go get him." 
But I was, I was like stuck in between a little. Yeah, I mean, I was not laughing because I was not having fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it takes itself way too seriously to be fun. And it's just like really fear-mongering, xenophobic stuff. I just didn't enjoy it at all. It, it takes itself way too seriously and it's it's way too dumb just like the idea that human traffickers would be like oh yeah we're, go we're gonna target a blonde blonde californian girls out of the airport that's the that's where the money is no that's that's where you that's a short track to an international incident that's when that's when you get fucked up that's when people bring you down that's why you stick yeah. to to the you know whatever single moms from uh Eastern European or whatever you can, you can get in there. The second you start touching those American tourists, no, 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 Interpol's gonna, gonna fuck you four ways to Sunday. I still have no. I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know what Luc Besson's uh, personal politics are, <laughs> but it feels like he is being funny to me like because this movie is so outrageous yeah especially in terms of of those uh just like oh you know the, those dastardly french they're in on it and i'm like you are a frenchman why would you write that in there like you have to like he knows what the climate is hmm. like there's a like there's a sort of this there's a satire to this that most people aren't reading well, yeah, I, I, I read this movie as parody because it's so ridiculous, it, and I, I have to believe he's in on it. I was feeling that a bit as well, because it goes so over the top with his... Like, when they reveal that she is a virgin, so she's worth more, that was, like, so mm -hmm. ridiculous and over the top. That, that cannot be serious. Just the amount of times they make sure they say that, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's a virgin. Oh, she's a virgin. That's repeated so many times, and I guess I mean because they make the yeah all the villains are Middle Eastern and Eastern European, which is like yep. the U.S. Foreign Department's favorite boogeyman. Well, there's some Frenchies as well. Yeah, and I love that part where where uh, I couldn't say Steven Seagal. I'm so this is such a Steven Seagal <laughs> movie in my head that I forgot where Liam Neeson uh, steals the ID for the badge from the French cop and then goes around yeah. pretending to be a French cop, and nobody's questioning that. Oh yeah, there's this French yeah. cop with like a like an Irish accent out there. We're just Speaking just English. Yeah. Yeah. Francois, the Irish, the Irish French cop. Well, that one guy sure, who sure. has the flattest accent I've ever heard. Um, I, um, he's so flat that I, I have to imagine he, he must be European doing an American accent. But uh, the guy, that I don't I have no idea, but he goes, well, I know this isn't you. Like that. <laughs> he takes the, the picture off his like fake id oh, okay yeah yeah yeah. one of the the bad guys at the party mansion mm -hmm. also what kind of party is that i i don't know but there's a there's a pedo auction in the basement yeah you're like there's a there's a auction going on in the basement yeah and and up up top they're just having they're surprised when they see a dead body so those people aren't in on it yeah because if they knew there was an auction downstairs they see a dead body in the elevator they'd be like oh man they're getting rowdy down there, but no. <laughs> but the just that whole you know he has that great line where he's like I'll tear down the Eiffel Tower if I have to and 
that is just pure like american hubris like and and that's written by a frenchman so i have to question how serious co-written by a frenchman co-written like it's also robert mark cayman this this the other writer he did he wrote karate kid yeah so are you saying that he has more talent uh yeah yeah okay yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird, weird career. He wrote Karate Kid and then and Lethal Weapon three, Ooh. and then he just sort of ended up being uh, Luke Besson's writing partner. Maybe that's where it all comes from. Make him speak like an American. He goes okay. Oh, and also, funnily enough, Robert Mark came and wrote both uh, Taken Three and Angel Has Fallen, which are both third entries in their like action trilogies that dad action. Changed the f- yeah, but also they changed the formula from what it's been into a the fugitive ripoff. Yes, yeah. both Taken Three and Angel Has Fallen are fugitive ripoffs, and both like Taken One, Taken Two, and the f- two first Has Fallen movies are just like remakes of each other. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up when we got to Taken Three, but yeah, that's why I don't like that movie. It's just it's. Is Transporter 3 a The Fugitive ripoff? Because he wrote that one, too. Sort of. Really? Lethal Weapon 3 was not. Should have been. No. <laughs> well, it came out a year before The Fugitive, so he hadn't gotten his IDs yet. You know, it's. I think Lethal Weapon 3 is the weakest of that series. Oh, for sure. Like, no contest. It introduces a great character in... Rene Russo? Rene Russo. Rene Russo, but that's it. I think I don't think there's anything else I li- I really like about the movie. Sven Thorson's in it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just just easily the least memorable villain of the whole series. And that's a big big downfall for it. I still like it, but yeah, it's the weakest. Is it uh, Yeah, that's the guy who's he's the ex-cop, the cop killers guy. Yeah, it's played by yeah. S- Stuart Winston, is that the guy? Wilson? Winston? Stuart Wilson? Wilson? Yeah. The guy from Hot Fuzz. Winston yeah, Wilson Winston. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a British guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, lensed by Dutchman, the DP. That's what I know about it. Oh, is, he, is he a famous DP? Or? Jan de Bond. He did uh, Die Hard. He directed oh, Speed. No, I, I know, yeah, I know John de Bond. Yeah. He directed Speed. I just didn't know that's the guy who sh- he also shot a Lethal Weapon. Three. Well, you were three. Yeah. Three, but you were playing it so close to the yeah. justice <laughs> that it was like a secret. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, I think that these sequels to Taken are terrible looking. And that's not saying that Taken looks great, but man, do those sequels look like garbage. Yeah. They just. Oh, I, I'm completely in the opposite. I think Taken looks terrible. Like it, it looks bad, but it's not all movie. bleached out like the sequels are. I, I, I like the look of the sequels better. At least it was a look. Like a bit of a, I don't know, like, I don't know what to say, Tony Scott, diet Tony Scott. But Yeah, that's definitely what they're doing. And I, I'm, I don't and know, I hate I'm, it. usually I'm definitely not a fan of diet Tony Scott for a lot of the time. It's like uh, um, Mission Impossible 3, I hate I, I hate the diet Tony Scott look of that one. Yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible 3 is the ugliest Mission Impossible by a good mile. I had no contest. It's also the worst Mission Impossible. So. Yeah. I'm backing that one up. Uh-oh. A lot of people, a lot of people disagree, <laughs> but I'm on your side nope. here. I'm not gonna argue it, but I don't agree. 
Are you a part two hater? I love all of them, but yeah. Oh, no. It's it's the least favorite, yeah. Just cancel the podcast. Everything people say they love about Mission Impossible came from Mission Impossible 2. I'm not knocking it. (laughs) What I love about Mission Impossible is seeing John Boyd die. (laughs) No, it's just... Well, you don't get that in part two, do you? No, but but uh, Mission Impossible Two bad guy turns up in Taken Three. Yeah, and we've come full circle. Really weird Replace recast. Xander Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> you went a weird direction with that. It was just like the whole point of the first one. It's like she has a much older, richer husband, and and then when they recast him for the third one, it's like, no, this guy's he looks age appropriate for being your husband now. That doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, <laughs> is is he supposed to be the same guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuart St. John. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I cannot imagine the conversation. Remember, my favorite line in the first Taken movie is when he, Liam Neeson says, "This is no time for dick measuring, Stuart." It's my favorite line in the whole series, and yeah, yeah. I cannot imagine him saying that to Doug Ray Scott. Uh, yeah, and also it just it's just because I've seen Ever After, and that cod piece he's wearing is amazing. and it's just so weird because the it's uh, they just make that husband such a dick character immediately off the bat in the sequels it's like yeah and we're the the whole point in the first one is that he's he's just milk toast useless milk toast useless but he has money so he can ship ship uh liam neeson off and then at the end of the movie they're on good terms. Like, okay, they, they yeah. there's mutual respect between them now that there wasn't before. And then immediately just the sequel just hits the ground. It's like, no, he's a piece of shit now and Liam Neeson's going to get back to fucking his ex-wife. Yeah. <laughs> and it just it just absolutely reeks of that. They they definitely did not expect to make a sequel to Taken. Yeah. <laughs> so they were just scrambling for anything. But, oh, we'll just do this. And yeah, he's, he's the bad guy now. And they're they're going back together. Oh, stuff like that. It's just this on-the-fly writing, you know, doesn't doesn't really work for this series, I don't think. I don't know. I really like the hook of Taken Two, of just like that. Yeah. Uh, they're the the bad guys are coming back to to catch him for what he did in the first one. I like that too. It just doesn't. But I think the end of that movie is a slog. It doesn't. More more movies should have basically that. Like, oh, there's there's. There's consequences, consequences to my actions. Yeah. Oh shit! I shouldn't have murdered forty people for fun. Maybe they should have made a courtroom drama in France. <laughs> it's just Liam Neeson being. Oh fuck! There is a movie like that. It's um, oh god! It's a kickboxer Dale Apollo Cook movie. Uh, it's called. Is it Blood Ring? And then in Blood Ring Two, opens with <laughs> Dale Apollo Cook being charged in Thailand or Philippines and has to in court and gets sent to prison <laughs> for for killing the bad guys in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a shame that the movie's not very good because it's like a, a clip show movie, basically. A lot of the movie is just footage from the first movie. But I always love that, that the movie just starts with, oh, no, you're on trial for all the murders you committed in the first movie. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. This one, it, it has that hook, but in every other instance, they went, we didn't raid ourselves into a corner. There are no corners. That's just fucking gone now. 
I know we ended with her wanting to be a singer, but we're not even going to bring that up. She's doing other shit now. That was my favorite part of the sequel. Just imagining her singing being shit. <laughs> yeah, they just don't bring it up. Like, So they're just like, yeah, she had her shot. It was terrible. They should have <laughs> opened on like her... Her her doing an American Idol edition, <laughs> audition, and it's just, like, awful. Yeah, and then Liam Neeson killing the judges. Oh, she was great. She was great. That's my little girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know she's a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that's that's a part I did, I prefer about taking to, they just, they drop all the, the whole, the rape stuff and all that. It's just, they do just not. about getting revenge for the people in the first one. They, they... They remember it towards the end, and they're like, you know who they haven't tried to rape yet? His wife. And so the guy just starts peeling away her clothes, and it's this really long sequence that's intercut with Liam Neeson walking oh, yeah. around the city. Yeah, I'd repress that part, to be honest. No, no, these movies immediately start getting Death Wish-itis, and, and all of that, all that comes with that. And part three, they're like, yeah, we got to kill, kill this poor lady off. And, you know, <laughs> it's so, you know, as bad as Xander, Xander Berkeley's character got treated from the first one, because he's basically a different character by three or by, by two, even. Well, he's three. not into at all. No, yeah. but it's the character. Yeah, but, but uh, no, Fomke yeah, gets she gets the, the short nothing in this. It, she gets treated so terribly across these movies. Although she is yeah. a bitch in the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally terrible in the first one, and then all just turns around at this one. She wants that Liam Neeson dong yeah. <laughs> again. But women aren't allowed to have sex. Um, that's why they get punished in this universe. Yeah. The the slutty friend in the first one. No, you gotta kill kill her right off. Oh, yeah, she just uh, she just gets overdosed off screen. I mean, did are these did Michael Winner and Ghost write these? Are these based on a treatment <laughs> by him? No, it, ghost writing in the uh, literal sense. His <laughs> ghost showed up and was like, "No, I'm the creative mm-hmm. force behind these. I'm the ghost of Christmas past, and I'm going to teach you how to write some rape scenes." <laughs> what? I, I just know he's from England. No, I th- I think that <laughs> that one interview I saw him where he gets challenged by this woman saying this their your rape scenes are horrible and they ruin your movies and he's like no they don't have you have you even ever been raped and she goes yes i have and he just doubles down anyways <laughs> you're like oh you fucking idiot yeah. like shut up why would you even ask that <laughs> oh my god michael winter was such a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, yeah. these are <laughs> these yeah, are like that. But, yeah, I, but I did enjoy in Taken Two that, like Liam Neeson gets to really show off his skills in a way he he doesn't in the first one. Like all his skills in the first one are mostly just like punching people in the throat and pretending to be a, a French cop. Yeah. Like he, but in this one he, he really does a lot of like thinking. And like I like the scene where he makes his daughter use the grenade, and he <laughs> pinpoints his location by ear. Sort of, it's like okay, it's just I think it did showcase a bunch of skills in a way that he didn't really showcase that much in the first one. That's one of those scenes where I was like, that is incredibly hilarious. That yeah. 
like the that goes hand to hand with the stuff in the first film where he doesn't care who he hurts to, as long as he gets his daughter back. Yeah, yeah. And in sure. this one, he's like, no, just throw the grenade off the balcony. It's just like a casual <laughs> explosion. <laughs> She's like, like, what's across the, the the road there that you can see? She's like, a parking garage. He's like, yeah, just throw the grenade over there. <laughs> Do you see anybody? No. There's a car parked yeah. right there, and that's exactly where the just grenade a baby, goes. A baby in the backseat yeah. of the car. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if no, I left my baby in like, the car. Just imagine that there's anybody in that parking garage, and that entire thing—the roof collapses on them. I'm just like, this is insanity. And, uh, but it's hilarious. I love it. Or when he's uh, when when they're driving, he lets his daughter drive, and he just spends yeah. the entire drive yelling at her. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was fun in a he's, dumb way. Yeah. The the other thing in this series that is so weird to me, speaking of that, is that the movie will be shot fairly smoothly until somebody gets behind the wheel of a car in this in all of these movies. The second someone jumps in a car, it is just crazy Tony Scott flashes in your face and shaggy cam. You're like, what happened? They can't look out yeah. the windshield. He They shoot the back window out of the the taxi that they're in and he still insists on hanging out the other window shooting at them yeah. <laughs> even though there's yeah. no window there's no reason why he can't just be shooting now right out the back now they're yeah. right behind Almost him all, <laughs> all the all the car chasing and driving scenes in all of these movies are pretty terrible yeah well they want to be born supremacy that's what he wants to be doing yeah but he can't do it uh, like i'm not a huge paul greengrass fan but uh oliver megaton is no paul greengrass <laughs> no well i'm i'm exactly the same boat i actually i do not like what the Bourne movies did to action for like a decade they 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 fucked it up so bad for everyone that everyone just was just sort of accepted it and i guess this is what action movies are gonna look like now yeah but i think the the born movies do it well in a way in their own way but then all the knockoffs just didn't i think yeah. they're pretty hit and miss i i will agree that the car stuff is done better even though it's a ton of that stuff that i mean honestly it just annoys me to be cutting that much in any scene and they, they man you know, they they infected the Bond movies with that shit. I remember Quantum Assault, that opening chase scene. It's like, you can't, you guys can't do this. So I guess more, it's less that the Bourne movies did it bad. It's that everyone thought they could do what he did. Maybe yeah, that's just like what I, I don't like. I feel there's, there's um, more purpose to that stuff in, like, Supremacy and Ultimate, especially Supremacy. I really enjoy Supremacy. I think that's the best Bourne movie. But then all the imitators just seem to think that, oh, yeah, if we just cut a lot, it's, that's, what, that's, the, that's the key. It's just the cutting is the key, not, not purpose, just cutting. Yeah. yeah. No purpose, only vibes. <laughs> and the cutting and taking free is awful. Well, yeah, by the time uh, you get to the third one, is in. I mean, famously, the him just climbing the infamous, over the infamous, yeah, 72 cuts in 14 seconds when he climbs over the fence thing, whatever it is. But yeah, uh, I mean, that's the clip. I mean, and, and the rest of the movie 
is not as bad as that one clip is, but it, it's not great. No. Well, it's any time like he has the, to do something physical. You know, you go yeah, from... the foot chase scene is so bad. <laughs> that Liam Neeson has a real old man walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's giving it's giving Robert De Niro and the Irishman vibes almost when he's he's running, stomping on the guy coming out of the the drugstore. Like, yeah, he can't really bring any force to that because he's gonna break. Yeah, his... Oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, in, in the Irishman, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but yeah, he moves like like that scene when he's running in this one. Yeah, uh, and yeah, taking three three as that they turn it into the fugitive. Fomke Janssen, Janssen, Janssen. Sorry, Janssen. Sorry to the Dutch. They just kill her off. And I must, yeah. I must say, I do like that. All the plot descriptions don't mention who it is that he supposedly gets framed for killing. It was kind of a surprise to me that she was the one to die. Oh, okay. Oh, it was not for me. Like that shit was in the trailers. That's why I don't understand why, why all this stuff in like oh it's it murder that hits close to home and it's like yeah, you put it in all the trailers that it's it's his wife. But yeah, her husband's back. No, her her husband's back. He's 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 still her husband, and now they're trying to make it work. So. Liam Neeson has to leave the picture, but then she's dead in his yeah. apartment. It makes no sense because I remember very well what was going on in part two, and they were not getting. No, back no, it, they do. Like, that's teased at the end of part two. Yeah. Like, it's really like, oh, he saved her again, and they. She kind of goes on the whole romantic. No, I'm talking about Xander Berkeley. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Too confusing. Too yeah, many she, husbands. They're. they're, they're Horribly on the outs in that the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. She says, "Oh, he's just getting worse and worse. He's such a piece of shit." But what they do is they take a single line of dialogue from the first one where he talks about, "Oh, I looked you up and you had some kind of issue with a shell company, and you owe somebody some money." And that they take that and create a whole movie out of it. Um, and I kind of like that twist and turn. In fact, I think the movie would have worked better if it was actually just like a mystery. And as opposed to, you know, trying to be an action movie, trying to be pulse pounding action because it really doesn't work. I think they should have just gone a whole different direction. Yeah. Because I like the idea that this guy owes so much money that he's like, oh, well, I have a $12 million life insurance policy on my wife. So I'm going to frame her murder. I'm going to get $12 million and I'll be able to pay that guy off. But. The, but if I figure out that uh, I'll just blame the murder on this other guy instead, then I'll get to keep all of that money. Uh, I like the idea of that. It's just kind of goes against how they set it up. As the, they set up his character and stuff. Yeah, but also, the first one. Yeah, sure. It makes no sense opposed to the first up against the first one. Uh, yeah, but also it was. I mean, Liam Neeson said he'd only do the third one if no one was getting kidnapped again. So that's why they just. I guess they said, "Well, doing the fugitive then." Yeah, well, they Forrest Whitaker is no Tommy Lee Jones, so. Uh, he's fun. I mean, but he's no. He, he, I mean, nobody's really. Tommy Lee Jones in the Fugitive is is one of my favorite performances. He's so good in that one. Yeah. And uh, they definitely don't give him. Uh, team like they do Tommy Lee Jones like uh, where's uh, where's my Johnny Joey Pants yeah bringing it 
back around. You know what we're going to talk about now. No. Was Joey Pants on Miami Vice? Oh, yeah, he was. He's in the he Abel, Abel Ferreira <laughs> episode. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, that reminds me. You brought up that nobody was kidnapped in the third one. It reminds me that in part two, they really missed the opportunity for Liam Neeson when he's on the phone with Maggie Grace to say, your mother's been taken. And I've been taken too. (laughs) Really miss that. Yeah, they should have. (laughs) What a waste. Yeah, because that would have been the trailer. (laughs) Maybe they're. That's what makes me wonder if they are being serious. Because like, oh, did they not think of that? Because or they did, and they went, no, that's too on the nose. I don't know. I would have gone with it. Yeah. (laughs) Can't be too ridiculous with these movies. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker with his chess piece in this one. I don't know what they're they're trying to make some kind of kind of character for him, and it's just I don't know. I don't I don't really care. But no. like, cool that you got your chess piece there. It's yeah. fun. And your rubber bands. Yeah, they gave him a bunch of ticks so they don't have to write a character for him. I guess. Yeah. They're just expecting the, that Forrest Whitaker charisma to carry him. I guess I don't know. Yeah, you know I like Forrest Whitaker too. So. But uh, whatever's going on in this one, it's not it's not working for me. No, he's no Tommy Lee Jones again. Just yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking about the Fugitive. What a movie! <laughs> <laughs> but I I enjoyed this one. I think Taken Three was my favorite of the series. Uh, just because it's so stupid. And uh, would I don't know Liam Neeson. What, the other two weren't stupid. No, <laughs> not in the same way. Like this is the, just this trash the Fugitive rip off with. Liam Neeson driving his car down an elevator shaft and yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. It's just, I don't know. And I, the shootout at the end with Liam Neeson and uh, the Russian gangster in the penthouse, uh, I thought that one, that's maybe my favorite. That's the best action scene in the whole trilogy for me. When he, when you get all the squibs and Liam Neeson taking out all the bad guys. I love that part. You know, I will give you that because... Uh, as much as these are kind of, in a way, well, at least the first one is regarded as sort of a modern action classic, they don't really have a lot in a great action scene. They're really like a mood. When he goes and meets meets back up with Marco from Chiboya in the first one, that's a great scene. It's a great mood. Uh, everything about it, uh, you just feel that tension, and you know he's going to, he's like, I told you I would find you. Great. Great stuff, but there's not a single thing in that movie where I went, that was a great action scene. No, that's like true. Nothing. I, I, I'm kind of just racking my brain here to think of anything. Even in the second one, the closest it comes is the end of a bad car chase where he send, they send a van flying in slow motion. And, and that's, you know, there's just nothing that's like, oh, that stands out as great action. Even that fight scene at the end is crap. It's, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, and the third one, it's got bad car stuff too. When they're yeah. r- rushing to the airport at the end, and it's just, well, this is clearly some green screened uh, stuff. I noticed that in the first one too. I realized, oh, all of, almost every time they're in a car, it's green screen. Yeah, but I did, I did enjoy when he just crashes the plane, which is again, he just, his daughter's in that plane, and it's like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll just, just fucking crash through this plane and to stop the bad guys. It's like, what 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 if you killed your daughter there, buddy? <laughs> like that's a real chance you might, but 
He just has zero regard for anything. He's just <laughs> always just ton of destruction. Well, I think a, a, a real problem with the third one, on top of everything else, is just that no real villain again. It's just because it's a twist ending, and then there's there's like this Russian gangster who's you you never meet basically until they they Liam Neeson shooting him, and then there's a twist about that it was actually Dougery Scott all along, and. It's just just a bunch of way gas stuff. Which just it just pushes the the running time. Oh, this is, yeah, this is the longest one. At the end of that action scene, you're like, there's still like 25 minutes left in this movie. What's going on? Doug Riscott playing the Jerome Crabbe role. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, kudos to the first two for keeping it under 90 minutes. Yeah, this one is too long. Yeah. Yeah. Just no reason, no reason for this to be an hour and 50 minutes. No, there's just not enough material here i didn't think there was enough material in the second one and and it's clear they cut stuff out they when they they're in the uh car chase and the, and the taxi and he ends up back in the amb- embassy it literally cuts to him in like he's hiding in the taxi with Mickey grace and then it just cuts to him you know in a whole different outfit all cleaned up and he's walking back through the, the bad guy's lair yeah but he calls his buddy yeah, but you don't see how he gets out of the embassy. You're like, you no, just okay. gotta assume that somebody showed up and was like, "Hey, Sam called me." Yeah, <laughs> he said you drop by. Oh yeah, well that's the taken taken series. I guess they made a TV show also, but I never watched that. Did anyone watch any any of the TV show? No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he's played by Clive Stanton in the TV show, who I'm no clue who is. The Brian Mills, you mean? Yeah, plays the Liam Neeson character, and I, no clue who that actor is. Oh, so I didn't want. I've, I that was something I wanted to get to, but I, I one didn't find, and or at least didn't find a version that I would watch, and then two I just didn't have the time. But I wanted to check it out because it's apparently a prequel. It's all his backstory. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, because he's much, the, the actor there's much younger than, than Liam Neeson. Yeah. He's like 16 years younger, so I don't know how it would, well, I guess he was probably in his 30s when he was making that show. But also, yeah, uh, Duggery Scott was originally being Wolverine. Yes. Which would have made yeah. him Fomke Janssen's love interest in the X-Men if ah, Mission yeah. Impossible hadn't gone over schedule. It all ties back together. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he did play Fomkians' love interest in Hemlock Grove, so he got his his way there as well. Well, I guess he also played his her love interest in Taken Tree in a way, but not really. So the Bond girl got with the Mission Impossible villain. Hmm. I like it. Liam Neeson was probably considered for Bond at some point as well. I think I've actually heard I that. I think he was at... Um, when when it ended Dalton? up being Timothy Dalton, yeah. yeah, I think he was in the run. Really? Yeah, he would have been young. Makes then. sense. But I guess Timothy Dalton was young too, so. Well, he would have been in his thirties already, I think. Neeson. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've seen Sam Neill's screen test for. Yeah, me too. Living Daylights. Yeah. Because and no, he he would have been too. He couldn't. It wouldn't have been for Goldeneye because then he's coming in post Schindler's List. I don't. That's not. No. That's not happening. It must have been. Uh, living daylights for sure. Oh no! Apparently, it here it says Goldeneye. Huh? He was. It was when he, for Goldeneye he was considered. They still went with an Irish actor. So, you know what? 
I wouldn't mind seeing Lee, Liam Neeson as Bond now. Just fuck it. Just do it. I have not caught his uh, Marlowe film. No, me neither. No. I, I heard it was real bad. <laughs> yeah. Which is, seems to be his track, his track record these days. Yeah. You think he's done? You think he's got more in him? I, I, he's got at least, he's got like two, two still coming out. So, I mean, who knows? I think that thug is probably his last chance at redemption. Because he's, he's what? He's 71 this year? 71 years old, yeah. He's still younger than Stallone. Yeah, not, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah, Stallone's he is, because he's, Stallone's born in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. He was born in the 50s. So he's, he's kind of, I mean, Stallone's going to keep doing it. He's going to die on the set of uh, Rambo 9 or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably closer to Rambo 6. <laughs> so, so, I mean, just taken, I'm, I'm still baffled by how how well received it is. Like, it's got a 7.8 rating on IMDb. Just no, no, none of Neeson's other movies are even close to that. In like the the like his subsequent action movies, and I can't even think of any sort of old guy action movies or DTV action movie that's even even close to having having that kind of rating. And it's it's really weird to me that this is the one that they just single out and was like, yeah, 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 this one is just miles better than everything else. And it's like, is it though? Is it though? No, <laughs> like no, I it's definitely rather watch Run All Night or Nonstop or Walk Among the Tombstones or any of these that are sitting like in the in the sixes. Oh, absolutely. I I'd actually I think Cold Pursuit's better than Taken, but uh, I think the thing is is that Taken is such a surprise. Look at the time when it came out; nobody thought uh, anything of it until that trailer dropped with him saying the the phone call the line yeah the line and and it is great that's great it's fantastic it's the thing that everyone wants to be able to say and mean yeah and uh, that's that's the whole thing that's why i give the movie like i give it like five out of five because even though it's got some shit driving chase scenes and some just terrible you know mid-2000s level blip editing Tony Scott nonsense that they're trying to do. This movie works as a power fantasy if you're taking it seriously, and it works as a parody if you're not. It's basically a Beethoven-esque thriller. And I love that. I love that about the movie. All right. Well, just just for fun there, how many movies on IMDb for Liam Neeson do you think have a higher rating than Taken? Two. Schindler's List. It's, there's three, three movies. This is his fourth highest rating movie. It was Batman Begins, and uh, the third one, Dark Knight Rises, and then Schindler's List, and that's it. And then it's taken. That's how highly graded it is for some reason. Well, it, it has some dark subject matter, and I think a lot of people mistake that for it being an important movie. Like, oh, it's it's about this really important thing. Yeah, well, I mean, so is so is the Sound of Freedom, and this movie, I I feel it's quite similar to Sound of Freedom. Absolutely. Except that uh, I don't know the the Christian evangelist right wing didn't embrace it. 
in the same way. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, actually, apparently he was in the right place at the right time because I don't think people are going to be talking about Sound of Freedom uh, after this podcast. <laughs> I think I think this one, I think this one has the better reputation and the longevity. Yeah. But imagine Liam Neeson could have been rubbing shoulders with. Antonio Sabata Jr. and uh, <laughs> uh, what's that guy who did the Christmas movie? You know, the guy from the Left Behind films. The uh, I don't know, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron, yes. Yeah, he could have been right there, <laughs> next to the Hercules guy, Kevin Sorbo. Ah, oh, Liam Neeson, you could have been doing Daily Wire movies. Instead, you're here. You know, we should have done a double. We should have done a double with Sound of. Uh freedom (laughs) (laughs) oh well well i on the other hand would not recommend taking it all none of them in fact just just watch something else yeah i mean especially when because of taken uh he's made much better movies that you could go watch instead that you already named nonstop and walk among the tombstones on the gray that's a great one the gray is amazing. That's another one I get five stars. <laughs> well, Marty, tell me, did you like Taken? I actually did. Okay. If you if you don't take it seriously, which how the fuck can you even? The first one is fun. The second one, even dumber, slightly less fun, and the third one is just an absolute piece of crap. Don't watch the third one. <laughs> Only watch the third one. I, they get better as you watch them. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta wonder if you've never seen any of these movies, and then you just watch the third one, what you'd think. You'd just be like, what the hell is this? Because they're just alluding to stuff all the time. <laughs> you'd be like, what? You always do this, Dad. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> Mom just died in a horrific fashion. Like, why'd they get Fam K. Jansen for this role? Yeah. <laughs> she must be hard up. But yeah. All right, though. This has been our Taken episode. Thank you for listening. It's taken too long. It's taken three times as long as you expected it to. You might have saved we've been taken to piss. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, come join our Discord server. Check out alloutofbubblegum.com you can find links to that um next week we're probably going to start our christmas season with something christmasy ooh what it is only santa claus knows cuz we haven't decided yet no <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> bye bye have a have a good one bye and who is it named after august cunt <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe it's August Cup. <laughs> so get Steven Seagal. He knows the <laughs> As an actor, and you've done many, many things, is it your dream to work with Steven Seagal? Yeah. Is, that, <laughs> is that on your I bucket want, I list? I want to know who dyed his hair. <laughs> Stevie well, Wonder. That's all now. <laughs> <laughs> he is